0: The Unsung Hero of Birdsong USA, by Brenda Woods. Chapter One. One funny thing about life and all the stuff that happens while you're living it is that mostly you only see it through your own eyes. That is, unless you decide to try and see things through the eyes of someone else, then You have four eyes, and looking at things with more eyes than just your own lets you see things more clearly. Maybe even see things the way they really are, not just the way you want them to be. That's what Meriwether claimed, and now I know he sure was right. But then again, it seems like Meriwether was right about a whole mess of stuff. My name is Gabriel, like the angel, but I am sure not ready for heaven. I don't have any brothers or sisters, and at times I wish I did, and we aren't rich, but we're a ways from being poor, and being a ways from being poor is how I got a bicycle, and having a, the bicycle is how I met Merryweather. and meeting Merriweather is how I learned that seeing life through more eyes than just two on my face can make some things a lot easier to understand. It was 1946. Just another quiet Sunday in the in the summertime, when I met him in the town not too far off from Charleston, South Carolina. A town named Birdsong. I just turned 12. Chapter 2. Hot diggity dog. It was a brand spanking new Schwinn Auto Cycle Deluxe with a built-in electric light. A present for my birthday. I couldn't stop grinning. I tested the brakes, I traced the handlebars and frame with my fingers, and ran my hand across the seat. "Gabriel and Havrelyn, stop petting that bicycle like it's a puppy dog,' Mama said with a smile. In one hand, she held the dirt-stained gardening gloves she wore when she tended the vegetables in what, even though World War II had been over for nearly a year, she still called her Victory Garden.' The other hand reached up and brushed her long blonde hair out of her face and tucked it behind her ears. Daddy curled his tan freckled arm around her shoulder and they were like real pretty photograph right then, my mama, Agatha and my daddy, Jake. And I wish we had a roll of film for our camera so I could take a picture of them and some of my new bicycle, but we didn't. Mama tended to be forgetful about things like that. Go on and take it for a ride, Gabriel. Daddy encouraged me, so I popped up the kickstand and climbed on, all the while admiring the bright blue and white color, the perfect chrome gleaming in the sun. Can I go show Patrick? He won't believe it unless he sees it. Patrick's my best friend, and he lives across town. Sure, but you be careful now, Daddy said, warned as he gave the back of the bike a gentle push. Sunday was his only day off, and the newspaper, which I knew he couldn't wait to get back to reading, was tucked under his arm. I will, I promised, and off I pedaled, glancing back once at my parents' happy faces. You be sure and be home way before supper, Mama hollered. Pineapple upside-down cake you ask for is in the oven. Oh, and Cousin Polly and them are coming from Charleston. Cousin Polly is Daddy's first cousin which I've been told makes her my first cousin once removed. And then includes her husband, Teddy Waldrop, and their 16-year-old daughter, Tink, whose real name is Theodora, but most people never call her that because if they do, Tink can be counted on to blow at least one fuse, sometimes more. Them also includes Teddy's mama, Auntie Rita, who claims to possess heavenly insight, meaning she has a deep understanding of spiritual things. But mama, and especially Cousin Polly, don't always seem to believe her. The fact that they were visiting today had me feeling extremely happy, because whenever Cousin Polly and them barrel through our front door, the usually quiet house comes alive with joking and laughing, and Cousin Polly Always turns the music up loud. And now I was doubly happy to see, happy my cousin Tink was coming because Tink and her two tone green Kodak camera are like macaroni and cheese almost always together. That then she'd take more than a few pictures of me posing and smiling with my new bicycle was a sure thing. And that would make it a sense for me to remember this day for the rest of my life. And tell Patrick he's welcome for cake and ice cream. Mama added, "Yes, ma'am, I will." I shouted. It was so hot; it almost felt like the sun was sitting right on top of me. But as I raced, the air cooled me off. Soon I was flying downhill, soaring like a swallowtail kite bird, speeding so fast I didn't even have to pedal. I glanced up, wondering if this was anything close to what my uncle Earl felt like when he was in his P-51 Mustang way up there in the sky. Now and then I pictured myself becoming a pilot just like him. 12 is kind of a baby age. I caught myself thinking as I rode along, 13 sure sounds two tons better. And then I almost laughed. Here I was just turning 12 and already wishing that I'd crossed the finish line so I could start 13. Auntie Rita had told everyone over and over since I was a little boy, Gabriel's got the eyes of an old soul. And just that morning I'd studied my face in the mirror searching for whatever it is that Auntie Rita sees when she stares into my eyes. The way she says it in that whispery voice of hers makes it sound like being an old soul is a good thing. Right then I wondered if I am one, How exactly did that come to be, an old soul in a young body? But when the spooky Spanish moss that sways from the branches of the oak trees that line some of Birdsong's streets tickled my face, I laughed out loud and stopped thinking about, about it, all that. Birdsong, South Carolina, is mostly ordinary place. The closest real city is Charleston, and one trip there is all it takes to make you understand the difference between a real city and our town. Even so, we don't drive the 75 miles to Charleston very often because Birdsong USA has pretty much everything we need. Main Street has a market, a post office, and a string of shops, including the Five and Dime. Plus there's Mr. Summerlin's Drugstore, which also has a soda fountain. And we even have a movie theater. Each end of town has a gas station, including one that has a garage for repairing automobiles, plus a lot for selling cars that is owned and operated by my daddy, Jake Haverland. Mama called Birdsong a peaceful, pretty place, and most folks, including me, agreed with her. But some things in the town of Birdsong, USA were about to change. Chapter 3 Certain things should never, ever happen, especially on your birthday when you're riding your new bicycle for the first time down Main Street, and you're so busy showing off and watching people turn their heads to take notice of you that you're not paying attention to the stoplight ahead that has just turned red. Then suddenly, from the corner of your eye, you catch a glimpse of a car in the intersection heading straight at you, the yellow Buick Roadmaster, Mr. Babcock. Bought from daddy for his wife Betty just the other day, and suddenly you realize you don't have time to swerve out of its way. So, for an instant, you figure you're definitely about to enter the pearly gates of heaven. And the only words that come out of your mouth are, Holy moly! Certain things like that should never happen, but they did. Then, in a flash, you get extremely lucky. Someone pushes you out of the way so that you and the big yellow car don't collide. But instead you take a very bad dive and wind up crumbled on the street. The first thing I saw when I opened my eyes was a sign. Need work, honest, good at fixing things. The next thing I saw was the face of a man who had the sign hanging around his neck. He was colored and he looked sort of familiar. You okay, he asked. I sat up and shrugged. I don't know, I I think so. One of my elbows was skinned and bleeding a little. He reached down to help me up. Thank you, mister, I said. I tried to stand. Careful now. Could be something broken, the man warned. You the one who saved me, I asked. Well, I suppose you could say that, he replied with a slight nod of his head. Thank you, I told him. Thank you a lot, mister. Once I was standing, I could see my prized possession. The car had missed me, but not my Schwinn Autocycle Deluxe. The handlebars were twisted, some spokes were bent, and the light was dangling loose. Not too bad, he said, following my eyes. I can fix it for you if you like. It shouldn't take but a few minutes. I've got my tools right here. I read the sign around his neck. I don't have nothing but a dime, mister, I told him. He grinned and replied, save your money, young man. Right then a woman hollering words that you only usually Right then, a woman hollering words you usually only hear in church interrupted us. Oh, my Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my soul. It was Betty Babcock. She had stumbled out of her car in her high-heeled shoes and was quickly making her way over to me. Other people joined her, and soon like pigeons pecking at a handful of tossed breadcrumbs, they formed a little huddle around me. Well, I'm fine as could be, I told them. The red-faced butcher from DeVere's grocery store slipped his arms around me and practically carried me over to the curb. The gawking audience trailed us, questions flying from their mouths. Are you dizzy? I sat down. No. Can you see? Better than a hawk. Is anything broken? Well, I'm not Superman with the x-ray vision, I wanted to reply, but I didn't. Besides, from what Patrick had told me about how bad it hurts when he fell off the roof and cracked his arm bone in two, I figured nothing was broken. Don't think so, I answered. Then Mrs. Babcock started yelling again. My light was green, tell him it was green, Gabriel Haberlin, tell him please. Her hair, which cousin Polly and Auntie Rita claim is not a gift from God, but comes instead from her Charleston hairdresser, looked like a bright yellow bird's nest. It's true, I told them. I, was, I wasn't paying attention. It's not her fault, not at all. Plus, I am truly fine as can be. That was when Miss Betty Babcock got down on her knees in the middle of Main Street, closed her eyes, reached up toward heaven, and shouted three times in a row, Hallelujah and thank you, Lord. It was then I noticed Rosie Riley in the crowd. Rosie is one of the nicest girls in schools, and when she laughs, it's loud and not pretend. She's a year older than me and is the eldest child of Howard Riley, M.D., and claims she is going to be a doctor just like him. Concern was swimming in her eyes. Are you all right, Gabriel? She asked. Maybe I should go get my daddy. Having her attention made me grin. You kidding? It'd take more than this to damage my armor. I bent my elbow and flexed my muscle, producing a small bulge. See? A smile parted her lips. Good, Rosie Riley replied. Faces that had previously been full of distress now appeared relieved, and I heard even a few snickers. I'm fine, I repeated, plus today's my birthday. Birthday wishes sprouted quickly from here and there, but only Rosie's words sounded like a song. Happy birthday, Gabriel, I'm glad you weren't hurt. Would have been a shame for you to get smashed up bad, especially on your birthday. See ya, Rosie said. And then she turned and walked away. As usual, my eyes couldn't help but follow her. She was wearing blue plaid shorts and penny loafers without socks. But I zeroed in on the dance of her straw colored ponytail as she pranced off. And knowing that Rosie Riley was glad that I hadn't bitten the dust made me grin some more. Chapter Four Mr. Summerlin, the gray-haired owner of the drugstore and soda fountain, patted the top of my head. You're a lucky boy, Gabriel, mighty lucky indeed, he declared. Must be a guardian angel watching over you. Angel? It wasn't an angel. It was a man who saved me, I told him. What man? A handful of people asked at the same time. I scanned the faces around me. "'but his wasn't among them. "'Then I looked beyond the crowd "'and saw him standing across the street "'with his tools, fixing my bicycles. "'I pointed him. "'He pushed me out of the way just in time. "'One by one, heads quickly turned "'until finally all eyes were on the man "'who'd likely saved my life. Merriweather, Mr. Summerlin asked. "'That his name?' I asked. "'Yes, mighty good at fixing things. "'Does work for me now and then at the story,' replied. He sure kept you from buying the farm, huh? The butcher commented. Yes, sir, I replied. I thought for sure I was a goner. And then I guess because most people could see I wasn't mangled and others couldn't wait to go wag their tongues about my brush with death. The crowd began to vanish until there were only three left. Mr. Summerlin, Mrs. Babcock and Miss Felicity Duval, who plays the organ at church and gives piano lessons for a dime out of her house. "'I should call your mama and daddy "'and have them let Doc Riley give you a once-over, "'just in case, especially that elbow,' Mr. Summerlin advised. "'Please don't do that. I am fine,' I gazed at my new possession. "'Please, Mr. Summerlin, they'll take my bicycle away "'and I'll never be able to ride it again. "'I'll be more careful, I promise. "'It's my birthday. Please,' I begged. "'Mr. Summerlin sighed. "'Just doesn't feel right, your folks not knowing,' he said." And then he looked at Miss Duval as if seeking her opinion. She reached into her purse and took out a fancy kerchief and wiped sweat from her forehead before nodding in agreement. Miss Duval then turned to Miss Betty Babcock, who said, wouldn't surprise me if they already knew. As if thinking that Miss Babcock was probably right, the three of them snatched looks at one another and grinned. Y'all have a lovely Sunday, Miss Duval told Miss Babcock and Ms. Mr. Summerlin. And then she turned her attention to me, and Gabriel, yes, ma'am, be more cautious, might not be anyone there to save you next time you choose to be careless with your life. Uh, Won't be a next time, Miss Duval. I informed her. Good to hear. Have a good day, she said, and strutted off in that way she does, heels clicking, head held high. And that was when the man who had saved my life strolled toward us, guiding the bicycle, he and Mr. Summerlin greeted each other politely, but Mrs. Babcock stared off down the street as if the man were invisible, the way some white ladies do when there's a colored man close by. It's about good as good, about good as new as I can get it, young man," he said. "I checked it over from end to end. He'd even fixed the light. Holy mackerel!" I exclaimed. "It really is as good as new." Thank you, Mister. I'm never good at remembering names and with everything that just happened, I had already forgotten his in a flash. Hunter, Hunter Merriweather, Hunter, Merriweather Hunter, he replied. His short, wiry hair was black. His skin was dark brown. He had a nice smile and a thick mustache and was tall, but not so tall that a person would think too much about it. I introduced myself. I'm Gabriel. It's a fine name, he replied. I read the sign around his neck again. Can you fix cars? I asked. Most things with an engine. Even a P-51 Mustang, I inquired. A fighter plane? I never worked on one, but I suppose an engine's an engine. My Uncle Earl was a pilot. He flew a P-51 in the war. He was even at the Battle of the Bulge, I boasted. He looked away before replying, that's so, Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, but not long after that, he got hurt, broke some bones when he crash-landed, but they were able to fix him, so he's almost as good as new. Kind of like your bicycle, he said. Yes, sir, I suppose so, I answered and continued. He's a genuine war hero, and as soon as I'm of age, I'm going to enlist and go to flight school, too. He'll be in Charleston on Saturday. They're having a big parade for all the South Carolina war heroes, I informed him. He looked up at the sky and squinted into the sun and gazed off toward the green foothills. A parade was all he said. Mr. Summerlin finally cut in. About time I headed back to work. And Merryweather, sir, thank you for preventing this from becoming a very tragic day. Well, you're mighty welcome, Mr. Sutherland, Summerlin, sir, he replied. Gabriel, Mrs. Babcock interrupted. Yes, ma'am. Heard or not, I'd like to see it. See to it that you get home safe and sound. But I was about to go show Patrick. She didn't let me finish. Instead, she spoke to Meriwether. Do you think the bicycle will fit in my car, boy? Merryweather's eyes met the ground. In a, in a big old roadmaster, master, I, I'm, it sure oughta, ma'am. But, but I pleaded, but nothing, Gabriel Haverland. I've decided, she replied softly but there was steel mixed in with her words like mama words get when there's no change in her mind. So I knew Betty Babcock meant it. Put the bicycle in the car, she commanded Meriwether. Thank you again, sir, I told him. Welcome, he replied. And just like that, I was sitting next to Betty Babcock while she started the car. I swiveled and peered out the back window. Mr. Merriweather Hunter stood there alone on the sidewalk, frozen like something carved out of stone the need work sign still around his neck. Mrs. Babcock gently patted my hand and put her foot on the gas. The big yellow chariot zoomed down the street. Chapter five. I didn't know if Betty Babcock was bad at anything else, but it took less than a minute for me to figure out that she was really bad at driving. In fact, Betty Babcock was such a dreadfully rotten driver that I was curious about how she had ever passed a driving test. Less than half an hour earlier, she had nearly killed me, so you'd think that that would have made her drive cautiously. But no, instead she sped, swerving and careening around corners like she was behind the wheel of a race car at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. When she screeched to an abrupt stop at the stop sign, I actually smelled burnt tire rubber. The car hadn't even come to a complete stop when she put her foot on the gas and sped off again. Aren't you supposed to actually stop and look both ways, I asked. Oh, shush. You sound just like that pesky man at the motor vehicle place, the one who gave me my driver's test. I am an excellent driver. I got good instincts. That started me giggling. She took her eyes off the road and gave me a look. But then her lead foot eased up and she began to drive at a normal speed, causing me to let out an extremely long sigh of relief. I stared out at the countryside, the rest of the ride home, and started wondering exactly who might be calling my parents right now, Mr. Summerlin or the Butcher or Miss Duvall or someone else. Knowing how fast news travels in this small town, I could be certain that someone had. When Miss Babcock, Mrs. Babcock pulled the car, To a stop in front of my house, I quickly climbed out. Made it, I thought. And right then, Cousin Polly and them pulled up behind Mrs. Babcock. Their black Ford was sputtering the way it always does, and their hands were waving and their faces were smiling. I was about to wave back, but I didn't have time to because Mama had come running out of the house and wrapped her arms around me. Gabriel, she yelled. Tink climbed out of the car and pointed her camera at us and snapped a photo. It wasn't the first picture I daydreamed about her taking of me today, but it was definitely part of the day's story. My assumption that someone had squealed and filled mama and daddy's ears with news of my mishap was now a crystal clear certainty. Daddy stood in front of me. I could tell he didn't know which path to take, the thankful or the angry one. I was happy when the thankful one. His eyes got water and he patted me on the head. Mama finally released me and wiped at her tears. Tink looked out from behind her camera. What's buzzing, cousin? She asked me. Mrs. Babcock, who had joined us on the sidewalk, answered for me. What's buzzing is that Gabriel was being careless as he rode his bicycle down Main Street and sailed through a red light. But I am happy to say that my excellent driving skills allowed me to avoid a tragic accident. So here he is, alive and well and safe and sound. But Mrs. Babcock, that man, Mr. Merriweather, he pushed me out of the way just in time. Wasn't for him, I might have got killed. Well, that too, yes. That's exactly what Miss Duval told his mom informed her. So, Miss Duval, who everyone claimed was a speedier carrier of news than the Birdsong Gazette, had been the informant. Minutes later, the bicycle was out of the car and Mrs. Babcock had been thanked. Daddy shook her hand and Mama even hugged her. If you knew what a terrible driver she is, I don't think you'd be so grateful, I thought. Boy, I couldn't wait to spill the beans on her. But the shocked looks Mama, Daddy, Cousin Polly, and them passed around when Mrs. Babcock screeched off at her roadmaster made me figure that they would not require much convincing. To my surprise, Daddy hauled off the bus, or handed off the bicycle to me, and together we all strode to the front porch. Swanky cycle, Gabriel, Tink commented, yeah, it's really swell, and boy, does it fly, I told her. Attention, everyone, halt, Tink suddenly ordered. I want to take a picture. Her father, Teddy, chuckled. And what else is noon? As directed, we stood together and posed. Tink pointed her camera and focused. This is a special day we should always remember. Yes, tis, Gabriel's birthday, number 12, Annie Rita replied. But it's even more special than a birthday, Tink said. She had with a sly grin on her face. Why's that, Cousin Polly asked. Tink snapped her picture. Because his birthday almost became his death day. Tears returned to Mama's face and she squeezed Daddy's hand and my shoulder. Tink, how can you be so crass? Cousin Polly hollered. Jeepers, creepers, it was just a joke, she replied. Annie Rita shook her head. Death ain't something to poke fun at, Theodora. The sound of her real name, Tink, frowned. Apologize to Gabriel this instant, Cousin Polly insisted. I'm sorry, Gabriel. Thank you, Theodora. Tink sneered. Rub it in deep, why don't you? I smirked and replied, I just did. Daddy interrupted the silliness. Gabriel, put the bicycle in the shed. We'll talk about what we're going to do with it later. He had his no-nonsense look, so I gave him my no-nonsense answer. Yes, sir. The look in his eyes gave me a clue about what was coming and from what I surmised the bicycle might not be part of my future.